buying and selling real estate, it can be a tough business to navigate. Sounds like you need some friends in the know. For instance, two longtime Twin Ports real estate professionals who know the ins and outs of the market. This is the Twin Ports Real Estate Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAM. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Rodney and Gary Callagher here from Remax. Gary Callagher, how are you this week? Well, Jim, we're doing real good. And uh, we've got a lot of interesting real estate stories to talk about this week. Oh, yes. And um, I know uh, we want to start it off talking a little bit about small things. Yes. Tiny things. Yes. Things that aren't big. Square foot things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we're talking about tiny houses. And I know that we've talked about this on and off right. over the years, you know, last few years anyways, that this was something that could be a wave, a trend of the, in the future. And uh, by George, it's coming to Duluth. And I know that you, you've talked about this uh, quite a bit Yep. Uh, in the last couple of years. And uh, here we are. Well, dynamic. um um, the home builder dynamic is making tiny, tiny homes and they're in, um, Oh my gosh, where's we fest at? That's where their factory is. I can't think Detroit lakes. Um, and, and they have, uh, I think two models of a, a tiny home, but this is a total, total different developer that we're talking about. Well, the tiny homes are coming to Duluth and, um, this is, uh, with a developer. His name is Sean Dixon and, right. uh, he, um, He's the CEO of Simply Tiny Development, and they're based in uh, Colorado. And they're planning on coming into the Duluth market to build 13 of these compact, what he calls rental units. Now, I also thought that they were going to build some of these that they were going to be able to sell. But but um, he um, also, uh, you know, so what they're doing is the city's had this program for years, Jim, where they've got these lots that are available. And there's a lot of these lots are in the downtown, the Central Hillside area. And for years, they were called, they were talking about infill, um, creating opportunities for people that wanted to build houses in these zones. And so, um, you know, this developer obviously got wind of that, as some other developers have, and brought this idea. And, and his name is Sean? Sean Dixon, yep, is his name. Okay. And, you know, they're going to bring it in Gary. and they're going to fill in this these areas with these empty lots, with these tiny houses. You right. know? And we're talking about units that are basically 200 square feet, Jim. Exactly. This is apartment-sized stuff that people are going to live in. So whether or not they're rentals or, or, or these things are going to be for, for sale, he he expects the first one that they build to easily exceed the $100,000 mark. Wow. Well, you know, um, it goes back to like college dorm dorm days, Gary. Isn't that – I mean, I swear that's about the size of Derek's dorm when he uh, had a dorm at the uh, University of Minnesota, my son. Um, you know, uh, and – you and I have been inside of these tiny homes, um, and uh, here, here's the joke, right? Tiny homes. They used to just call it a shed. Never heard that one, Gary? Yeah, I've heard that. Okay. Um, um, but anyway, like um, container housing, that was on display at the Home and Builders show in Duluth, and that was very interesting. 
Um, but I've been in um, uh, one of these little tiny houses, and they're and they're pretty pretty cool. And uh, obviously, with that square footage, the design has to be flawless. You have to be able to uh, it has to accommodate a lot of things for you know a single person or for a couple living there. Um, so there's a lot of uh, uh, hidden compartments and things of that nature, and, and multi-purpose um, situations, you know. Well, listen, Jim, you have to cram a kitchen, a bathroom, a living area, a sleeping area, and all that has to be in one of these residents to, you know, occupied, especially if it's going to be a rental. I mean, in order to get a certificate of occupancy for these places, it has to meet all these standards. Also, it has to have a washer and dryer. And so, you know, you're talking basically the minimum I wouldn't say the minimum amount of size, but pretty dang close to it that you can have to have all of these uh, necessities that are in there. You know, then then you take your windows and your siding and your roof and all that types of things. So it's going to be interesting to see what these things ultimately look like. And are these going to be flat roof units? Are these going to be uh, gable type units? What type of a roof system is going to be on them? I mean, those are the things that that I'm curious about because, Jim... There's been a lot of different alternative style housing that's that's been, you know, developed, thought of over the last 20 to 30 years. And some of it, you know, we, we've talked about the doomsday housing. You just mentioned it, container housing. Um, you know, there are people that are doing these compact uh, type uh, building of these properties that have all of the life's necessities because either they fear what could happen in the future with doomsday housing or they're simply they simply don't need a lot of space um, or they just simply can't afford to have pay the going rate for some of these houses in these large large metro areas yeah exactly um, and you know when you these these containers this is not this is the, the container home is not an original American idea they, they exist all over the world. Um, in other places. Um, I was just looking at uh, the Dynamic website and they've got two different models. Um, it's it's the Wolf is the one and it looks like it's, I can't even, I can't, Gary, you know how your eyes are getting bad? Uh, I can't see the dimensions exactly, but I think it's, it's around 300 square feet. Um, you know, and then they have another one called the Morgan, but they're, they're very, they say they're very energy efficient and, uh, um, easy to install, things of that nature. Well, they're going to start this first one, Jim, and it's going to be in the uh, what they've wrote in the uh, News Tribune earlier this week in the 800 block of North Sixth Avenue East. That's where the first one's going to go up. Then they're going to build one out in the Gary New Duluth area and what we call the Duluth uh, Fairmont neighborhood, uh, which is in the Denfelt area, out by the zoo. Um, and they're going to build those in 2022 and 2023. So, um, you What's know, this guy's get, last name, Gary, I'm actually writing an email to him right now asking if we can interview him on the, on the radio next week. Well, his name was Scott Dixon. Dixon. Yeah. And, um, All right. yep. so in Very any, interesting stuff. Yeah, it really is. And you know how this trends moving forward, you know, this type of housing, I think that there's going to be a market for it, but it's certainly not for everybody. And this isn't the end of housing as we know it with your traditional right. style houses and people, you know, people are going to need what they need for their lifestyles. And, 
and not everybody is going to want a tiny house. Um, but the fact that they're starting to bring this into this marketplace, where they've obviously done this in other places and been successful at it, um, is just you know one of those things where hey, this is just another option for people. You know, with the exactly. co- with the cost of building in Duluth, Jim, uh, and, and everything associated with with uh, the housing stock that we have here, hmm, is this a viable option? And I think for for somebody that's a single, maybe a single couple, I mean, hey. There's people that rent apartments and they live in these apartments and they're not that big. You know, if it takes up a hundred thousand, hundred and twenty five thousand to build one of these things, you know, and you're paying, you know, thousand to twelve hundred a month for it or, or whatever the cost is gonna be, um, you know, that this might be an an option for, for people, but I don't know how quickly it will take hold here in the Twin Ports, but interesting that they're they're um they're start gonna start to break ground for it. Yes, very interesting. So anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish that email later. Just send him a quick email asking if he wants to do a 15 minute interview. So maybe we could have this guy come on here um, in the next couple of weeks if that happens. Well, you tell- know, an interesting side article to that. Okay, it's happening in Duluth um, on the first of uh, June. There's an article that California wants to convert convert empty malls into housing, which is not only talking about turning you know, big box abandoned retail shopping areas and making those into into apartments, but also then because what's left over after you fill that mall, let's say, as an apartment building is an oversized parking lot, right? Right. They're going yeah, they have they have a, a, a part of that bill is also then to take a lot of that parking lot out and develop lots for guess what? Tiny homes. Tiny homes. Yes. <laughs> How do you, what do you think of that? That is pretty dang interesting. And actually I think that's a pretty good idea. Um, you know, Lord knows there's a, there's a lot of abandoned um, shopping malls in, in, in the world. There's actually a pretty good documentary on all of the empty shopping malls in the state of Ohio. And I guess it's amazing. How many there are? Yeah, no, um, this is something that you and I both, again, we talked about this several years mm-hmm. ago with these malls being shuttered all, all across the country. They just, there's no need for them, you know, and uh, uh, with the with the uh, online shopping and everything that's materialized, you're just seeing a lot of that happen. Now, the, um, uh, the fact that they're going to incorporate housing into these things certainly doesn't surprise me. But it, um, and it's good to see the reuse of that type of stuff because some of these malls, Jim, they were built well, you know, and you got to believe right. that the infrastructure of a lot of these places are just like, you know, uh, you know, well, well, um, it, it's just, it's going to be a good fit for something like that. I'm sure there's going to be, need to be renovation type, uh, things done, but the fact that they're reusing them, I think is, is a really good idea, but, yeah, uh, and then and then the the parking lots, like you say, that go on with these things. The parking right. lots themselves, they're just massive. I mean, you look at the Miller Wall, Jim, and look at that parking lot up there, and you know, so it takes up a lot of space. And to develop these parking lots, uh, I think, is also a uh, it's a good thing, a good reuse. Well, they, I think they're also them. talking like you know. So so first of all, we have about thirty seconds, Jim. Start my clock here. We got about thirty seconds on this segment. Oh, as a matter right, of fact, if we want to break here, but let's just come back. Let's take a so break. Folks, yeah, yeah, folks, you're tuned in to Twin Ports Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. 
Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronning and Gary Callagher here from Remax. Gary, why don't you give out your phone number? We forgot to do that the last the last segment. 218-390-0615. All right, and I am in Florida. Come to Border, Florida. Um, and if you want to reach me, you can still reach me at my same old phone number, 218-348-7653. And um, Gary, I, I have a... I have another phone number that's a Florida number that the last four digits spell warm. So, but uh, you can call me on my 218 number is just fine. Um, so we're talking about um, the conversion of some shopping malls maybe out west. We, we, we went from, we, we transitioned from tiny houses in Duluth, coming to Duluth, to um, shopping malls out on the, at least in the state of California, they've approved, well, actually the, the bills made it through the Senate um and uh it's just got to work its way through but um what they're talking about doing is to bypass local zoning laws in order to transition empty shopping centers or malls or you know any big box retailer into housing without too many hoops to go through in order to get that done um and it's a pretty good idea and then so Gary you and I were talking about uh, these these places are going to like a shopping mall will um, be divided into an apartment building, basically. Um, and then they're going to rip up the majority of the parking lot. They'll, they'll have ample parking for the uh, for the apartment building, which is used to be the maybe an old Walmart or a mall or whatever. Um, and then they're going to they're going to regreen it, but then zone that also at the same time for tiny homes to be put in. And, you know, these places will all have full services and everything like that. It's actually a pretty smart idea because this stuff is just going to sit there. Um, I mean, so I think it's a great idea, actually. And I think once it's done, one of these projects, one of these, you know, like, let's say the first one when it's all done, Gary, I'm very curious, but I think this community might, I think they might be able to pull it off. What do you think? Well, listen, I think these malls, you know, when it comes to zoning, uh, I think, a lot of communities across the country, Jim, they had, you know, if you go back into the, you know, whatever, the 50s or 60s when some of these earlier codes were developed. And I'm not saying this as, as, a, as a, this is a rule. I'm just saying, you know, generalizing this, that I think a lot of zonings were categorized as commercial, residential, industrial, you know, whatever, you know. And so you had these, these commercial areas, uh, you had your residential areas, you had your industrial areas, manufacturing you know, what have you. And so uh, um, it's in terms of of rezoning, I think a lot of cities across the country have upgraded their zonings uh, when it it comes to, you know, land use and how they're going to use land and and what the, uh, uh, the, the, the outlook is or the vision is as, as these communities move in into the future. And one of the things that we heard, we've heard, and this goes back 20 years, you started to hear the, the term mixed use, Right. Okay. To where uh, land use, they would allow a number of different uses, um, you know, within certain areas, you know, wherever they applied that type of zoning. And so to, to transition from like a commercial, strictly commercial type zoning, and you hear a community that's going to start converting these malls and they're going to use them for residential uses, they've got to change how they use the land. Uh, to, you know, different use, you know, and obviously some of that's going to include residential. And then, and then you take the malls that were primarily in these commercial areas, uh, and, and you start converting them back into commercial slash residential slash, you know, whatever else, you know, 
a, a residential community oh, might yeah. need, I think you're going to see some of these communities get aggressive in terms of of changing their zoning or updating their zoning codes or allowing uh, being very lenient with their variances should somebody make that request. So then they can accommodate these reuse um, developments. What do you think? Well, I think it's it's absolutely true. And the, and the thing is, is it's it's it's, you know, the, the land itself is is like, you know, shovel ready. Um, you've got uh, all these places are going to have uh, high impact streets there. They're going to have, um, you know, all the sewer systems, all the utilities are going to be there. I mean, it, it's not. So you're looking at uh, how do I get rid of an empty building um, versus a, let's say, putting in a brand new development um, somewhere else. You're going to have all these extra costs. And and when you look at like that, that mall or that box, I, I think that you know, because the main part of the structure is there and yeah, they're going to have to blow out a lot of, a lot of places in there to put windows in and there'll be, I mean, it'll cost millions and millions of dollars to get it done. Um, but I think they're going to, the, 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 the kind of income that they could make, they could spend extra money to make these look something totally different than what they used to look like. You know, they pull off the facades of the front of the buildings and and maybe do something different and incorporate a lot of green and I mean I, I just think they could they could totally change the way it looks um, and uh, you know the other thing in this California article it says that California is suffering from a severe housing shortage and they need to build they estimate a hundred and eighty thousand housing units per year to meet projected needs. Well, with everybody leaving, I'm not sure where that number came from. But <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, this is just. This <laughs> but is it, just, it wouldn't uh, surprise me. Yeah. Um, well, it's because they can't afford to buy a house, so they got to they got to have these apartment buildings, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I hear you there. Um, uh, but anyway, it's uh, it's interesting. They're talking about you know bypassing zoning laws to to, to let them to turn any commercial commercially zoned. Um, property into multifamily and California will be the first state in the union to do it if they pass it. Let me give you a local example, Jim, of, of one of these. And I'm going to use the um, uh, the Kmart out in uh, Spirit Valley. If you right. re- remember you know where that was and, and that whole facility out there, that old Kmart building um, has been on the market for a little bit. And I think the price tag on that is like $4 million. Okay. Um, but you've got a massive parking lot. You've got a massive amount of square footage in that building. And and I look at it and I'm like, why can't somebody come out and re-find some type of a use for this property? Because, you know, it's just sitting there waiting for it to happen. And the amount of land that you get with that parking area, to me, is just a huge part of these sales because it's just so much extra space. And so the fact that nobody has come forward and bought that, maybe maybe the price tag is a little bit too high on it. I don't know, but um, yeah. um, my phone. you've got. I, I believe that I believe that's true. I mean, I think the Kmart and Superior sold for about two point three million, and now that's the um, U-Haul. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think you know that's the problem. Is it's yeah, it's four million dollars, and it's geez, it's a heck of a building, but. You know, it's not it's not super easy to convert. Um, you know, because you got so much backspace. You know, behind the front, it's not like your your typical retail. But yeah. So in any event, I mean, interesting stuff for us to follow. Interesting trends from 
redeveloping malls, from redeveloping uh, vacant lots within our city, especially up here, Jim. Um, I think this is just an exciting time for housing. Um, also, want to bring up a, a quick thing here. Have you um, seen the Indy Apartments recently? No. Well, the Indy Apartments, you know, this is the facility that was built on 21st Avenue yeah. East and London Road, down on Water Street. Um, boy, they've taken a lot of the siding of it off. Yeah. And you could see some of the old paper the wrap that they put around it's all looks like it was all molded i think they had a problem with moisture getting back there and uh oh, they've had to take really? quite a bit of that siding off of that structure um, and they've got scaffolding up there now and everything so unfortunate that's that something like that would happen but boy oh boy i'd, I'd really like to know what happened if that was a design issue um you know where water got in behind there and, and how that all shook out hmm. Yep, that's uh, that's usually what it is, though. It's usually moisture when you do do something like that. Hey, Gary, remember you were talking about rent relief coming to um, um, landlords? Yes. Um, there's an article about the down here in Florida um, that now available landlord applications for eight hundred and fifty million dollars in rent relief. So down here, it's it's going on. Have you seen it uh, up there at all? Well, I haven't heard too much about it other than when they announced it. Right. Um, but I haven't heard anything. I haven't uh, checked in with Barb Monty recently to see uh, what she knows. But um, I got to believe that people are trying to take advantage of it. Right. You know, I know, uh, you know, the, I believe the city of Duluth is, is getting some type of a, a federal windfall, you know, for coronavirus funds you know for the city and um um so i think everybody's getting money out of this deal and uh but just in terms of actual landlords have we heard anything i i can't i can't say that i have uh how's business been you busy busy jim yeah it's really busy the um uh, phone really started ringing off the hook this week right after the holiday um, so it's become very active up here. Uh, and I thought, you know, one of the things you and I had been talking about earlier this spring was that we felt that people were going to wait a little bit to get their houses on the market, you know, getting through the, getting into late spring, the first part of the summer and everything. And I think you're starting to see that as, as we, um, uh, got into June here, uh, you're starting to see more and more houses come into the marketplace. And so, uh, I still think the market is very active up here. It's very, uh, competitive, you know. I don't. I don't think it's as active as it was, but I. I still think that there are multiple offers going on properties. Um, but I also think you're seeing more properties come into the marketplace. So hopefully that eases some of the competition that's been out there, and uh, see how this market reacts to it. But they do expect price growth to begin to stabilize. Yeah, I've seen that too. And that is due to additional inventory, um, as well as they're still predicting that the mortgage interest rates are going to start to uh, go up as we start getting into the second half of the, the year here. And and we've seen some of it, although it's not been too too bad. Um, it's still, it bounces around a little bit more. It's not as stable as it was. So um, how about you down there? How's that market doing down in Punta Gorda? Well, funny you should ask, because I wanted to tell you about a new listing that I have down here, because... Um, it's a it's a three bedroom home that's got an it's got an attached pool, very nice 
area out there by the pool. And it also has access to the Peace River. Um, there's, a, there's a boat slip, and uh, which means you can get down to the Gulf of Mexico. Um, the list price is right at like 400000 And I would tell you, watching this market down here, that the over-under on an accepted offer on that would be probably two days if we're betting right now. So that's how, that's how busy it is down here with anything that is called a listing. Um, so, Gary, you want to you you take an over or under, and then next week we can see where we came in at? I would say uh, that house will be sold within 72 hours. There you go. All right. Did, did it right, just so hit the market the here? I got, I got under 48. Under so 48. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to activate it as soon as we're done with this, uh, with this show, and I know that uh, they'll – They'll have lots of showings, so we'll see what happens. So yeah, it's it's the same. Um, any any inventory down here is still purely going. Uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, is going very fast. Uh, we are seeing um, there's there's several condo buildings that, that I've been working in. You know where you can get something for you know 150 thousand dollars. You know, um, and very nice. I mean, it's a, a very nice kind of communities they've got great pools and great amenities tennis courts and pickleball is the big thing down here pickleball um, yeah, pickleball is like a it's like table tennis on steroids with the full uh, tennis net but anyway um and so these these buildings are, are are turning over quite fast and everything just seems to be kind of uh, still very 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 off the shelf as you know as soon as it's listed well I think our market is again. It's active. It's. Um, uh, I personally have gotten busy, um, and then I also think Jim. I want to transition a little bit into what I think is a trend going on for short-term uh, rentals, hotels, that type of stuff. I, you know, we've been talking about this for several years, but I believe that the VRBOs, the vacation rentals, mm-hmm. are be just becoming huge. I think this VRBO uh, and the demand for this type of accommodations has exploded. And I believe the city, you know, you you remember that the city capped these VRBOs several years ago. Uh, they've, they've expanded the amount that they'll allow to happen. And, um, um, uh, but I still think it's it's still limited in terms of like they're not taking the cap off and just letting the single wild. But you can go right across the bridge over to the city of Superior, Jim, and guess what? Unlimited. <laughs> you can buy a house. You can convert it to the standards. Uh, you pay a nominal fee for the inspection. They inspect it, and boom, you've got a. A VRBO permit. You can let you can rent these things out, and so it it seems to me like the the city of Superior is exploding in these VRBOs. And Gary, were you aware that one of the motels in in Superior is a VRBO only? I had no idea. Yep, and one of our agents in our company owns it. Well. So, and she's a, I, I don't want to mention her name because I don't know if she would want me to, but she's, she's got a lot of uh, income generating property and uh, that, that girl has, uh, has everything together. She's doing quite well. So. well. We got about a minute left in this segment, Jim, but I just want to say that, you know, the VRBO market I think has really taken off. And I think people yeah. like that, that type of uh, 
living accommodation for when they're not at home. And the fact that, you know, uh, there are also these little companies out there that will manage these things for you. Now, they generally take 20 to 25% of the take, but you know what, Jim? They'll come in and they'll, they'll do all the conversion. They'll clean the, the bed sheets. They'll, they'll clean it out. They'll do all that stuff. They'll manage it. They'll cut the grass. They'll shovel the snow. They'll do whatever. And they take 25% of the fees for that. Um, but the, I think the amount of money that you can make on these things is, is still is well worth it. And I'm, I'm personally seeing a number of people that want to get into this VRBO market and they're going over to the superior market because it's so much easier. So hmm. that's very interesting. Jim, I know we got to right. take a break here. Folks, you've been tuned into the Twinport Real Estate Show here on KDL 610 AM and Jim and Gary, and we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronnie, Gary Callagher here from Remax. If you want to reach me, please do so. I'm in Ford. I'd love to help you find a house down here. My number is 218-348-7653. And Mr. Callagher, please I'm at, about your digits. Yep, I'm at 218-390-0615. All right, so I, I, this VRBO um, subject that you had brought up before, um, we were talking about you know, Duluth has, you know, a fix on the number of units. Superior has yet to do that. I would suspect that they would. I've been actually following this a little bit um, more than most because I have um, people who want to actually, it's um, people who want to come actually from up in the in the Twin Ports area. They're looking for a house that, um, a property that they could also VRBO down here if they wanted to. And Gary, guess what? What? It's a huge problem to find you mean now, like a vacation rental yep and here i'll tell you why you can go into communities that have associations and there's no gates right i mean it's um there are there are still amenities that they share they have an association um and then there's also the ones that are gated and things like that and people know those have associations so <clears throat> as a matter of fact excuse me if you buy a property down here and you don't have an association fee, um, it's probably only about a maybe a fifty percent time chance of the time. So, um, <clears throat> what's happened? Excuse me. Is if can you imagine if you live in a community and um, there's a VRBO that pops up across the street from you, and there's people coming and going. Um, you know, your, your general neighborhood that pays into the association doesn't like that. So <laughs> I don't know when this happened, but there are most of these communities that are have an association. You cannot do that. Your lease is a minimum of 30 days. Um, and a lot of times, um, if you're going to if you're going to rent it out, even if you're allowed, they have to be they have to pass an interview from the management company of the of the development. So if. <laughs> It's really hard to find that kind of situation down here in Florida. Well, interesting enough that you say that because I was involved in a situation a few years ago, and these deal with the properties that were down on Water Street uh, off of 21st Avenue East. And these uh, units back just coming out of the recession – um, it seemed like people, there were a number of people starting to buy them. And in, in one of those unit uh, facilities, they allowed the vacation rentals. People had these permits. But it was starting to get out of hand, I think, 
a little bit in the association that manages them or that governs it, they started to have talks about eliminating that because one of the things that happens with, with these VRBOs is you have a lot of different people. And you've got security codes that are on the doors and everything, and, and right. they're giving out these security codes. And so I think there was a lot of concern about, like, hey, who's in our building for the residents that actually live there? And so I had a couple that bought one, and they, and they were told by the city of Duluth that they could get the permit. They, they hadn't put the uh, cap on them yet. He had done all the applications, everything. And it had to go before the planning commission and the city council to approve it. And, boy, at the end of the day, the city council would not approve that. And I believe they allowed them to get a rental license, but not a VRBO permit because the, the association that governs it raised the concerns that we don't want this anymore because we don't know who's in our building any longer. So I think that these associations, when it comes to local, uh, you know, um, restrictions on this type of stuff, I think that they can play a big role in, in dictating what they want in their units as far as the association goes. Yeah, and I know that there's other communities, too, that right away um, when VRBOs are starting to really come out, they're saying, okay, in our city, it's got to be a three-day minimum rental period or something like that because they wanted to cut out the the changing every single night kind of a situation. Um, but, yeah, so, it, so like, local governments can pass it, but these associations can pass it quite easily because, Gary, I, I mean, you can imagine if this comes to a vote uh, in a community <laughs> – where, where it's mostly owner occupants, they're going to vote. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's not allow that. So they put a thirty day minimum on rentals, and the problem is solved, or at least what they consider a problem. So, well, well, I still think the demand for these VRBOs is very yeah, strong. It. It's very heavy, and how this all evolves here and locally in Duluth, if if they allow this uh, to expand here on this side of the bridge versus over, um, in superior, uh, be interesting to watch because I think that there's certainly a big demand for this side of the bridge in Duluth for the VRBOs and whether or not they allow it, who the heck knows. But, uh, Jim, I, you know, I want to talk a little bit about kind of a neat experience I had last week. Okay. And you, we all know Sandy Hoff. San- yes. And Natalie Hoff, Sandy and Natalie Hoff, the Hoffs are real estate people. Their parents, yep. they have a very long history uh, uh, of, of their family in the real estate industry here locally. And they had a building for sale that I had to go show. And I had to go down to their office. And I, I remember where their old office was, but it's it's no longer there. And so I had to call down there and I said, hey, where's your office? Where do I have to come and pick these keys up? And 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 the um, the staff said, well, we're down in the Pier B, um, or we're down by the Pier B, you know, in the pier. I'm like, okay. And so I drove down there and I look and I see this little building sitting in the pier on the water. And I walked over and there, sure enough, is the F.I. Salter um, identifying it, and I walked in there, and I said, "Is this? Is this? Am I in the right place?" And she goes, "Yeah, this is our office." And uh, and so I grabbed the keys, and I went and showed this place, and and I had to bring it back. And and when I brought it back there, actually, Sandy and Natalie Hoff were there, and so um, I just started talking to them about you know how yeah. they came up with that idea. But Jim, this was an old dredge, right? They bought this old dredge and they converted it into their real estate office. And I got to tell you, they did a heck of a job, and they've got some of the history and the pictures um, and a poster of this dredge 
that they bought. And the first thing that came to mind was, I don't know if you ever watched the show. It's called Gold Rush. But uh, I'm a no, I'm, not I'm a big Gold Rush fan, and and uh, one of the characters on there was trying to bring back the dredges to mine gold. And so, anyway, that my mind went right to the this this Gold Rush thing, and I saw the pictures of these dredges. But this is an original dredge, and it's sitting on the water, and that's where their office is. And I thought that was really cool. Wow! Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> So is it? It's got to be like. Is it permanently affixed to the to the pier? Well, I didn't. I didn't notice any movement when I was in there. You know, I right. tried to look yeah. around as much as I could. You know, with the little time that I was there, but uh, I didn't notice any bobbin or anything like that. So I'm sure they've got that thing pretty well secured. You know, but uh, um, well, yeah. you know, tiny housing, <laughs> tiny commercial office space, because yeah. this was this was that and. Uh, uh, so you know, if if people get a chance, just just drive by and you see that that's what that is. That's the uh, commercial offices for Fi Salter, owned by um, uh, Sandy and Natalie Hoff, which you know he helped. He was one of the developers of that Pier B and uh, yep. um, done a lot of good real estate stuff here locally. Yeah, I mean that that whole that whole Pier B area is such a positive. I love it. You know. We used to go there all the time with our boat and uh, hang out there, and that was a good food. And you know, never stayed in a hotel yet, but um, maybe now when I come back to visit, I'll stay in their hotel once. Do you miss so, the Northland, Jim? I kind of do. I mean, I know it's a little warmer up there now, so I mean, that's that's what I was trying to get away from. Um, but I'm getting used to 90 degrees above every day. It's actually pretty nice. So, and but- then it, it cools down to like 70 at night, so it's it's perfect for me. But I don't know how how abrupt this change was for you. But I mean, I basically heard about it, and I'm like, you, "You're moving to Florida," and it just seemed to happen yeah. real quickly. And I'm just wondering now that you've been down there and the reality set in, do you do you miss it? Do you, are you homesick? Oh, I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I am. Uh, I'm actually flying into Wisconsin next week. Um, going down to Appleton to play golf with a, a high school buddy of mine, and uh, and then. Like two weeks later or something, I'm going to be up there. So, yeah, I'm coming back to say, hey, yeah, I miss everybody up there. And uh, I miss the area. Uh, probably miss the lake more, more than anything, being out on the boat and, you know, cruising by cruising by your place and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff that I used to do on my boat. I just love that lake. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's nice down here, too. That's for sure. Well, I know you sent me some pictures and you look like you're pretty relaxed down there. So uh, that's... Um, <laughs> Uh, I hope you're enjoying the weather down there, both you and Deb. And, and well, uh, yeah, I, I I was told that, that uh, I, I need to step up my working game. She goes, you know, you're playing quite, you're playing a lot of golf these days. I'm like, that's where I pick up business. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's all good. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. But uh, um, we got about a minute left, Jim, in this segment. So. Um, Anything in uh, particular that you want to talk about from the um, Yeah, last comment on the VRBO thing. So uh, I love VRBOs. When I went up to visit in Iceland, we stayed in the VRBO, and it was so so awesome. Um, But but living in one of these developments, I I, I feel like one of those NIMBY people, you know, because I really don't want anybody to have VRBO around here because, I mean, everybody coming and going, different people every day. I mean, it's just, just kind of a... It's weird. So I guess I don't blame the communities. There's my comment. But uh, I love VRBO. 
Well, it's certainly a big market. It's, it's exploding across the country. Yeah. It's it's definitely trending upward here locally, both Duluth and in the superior markets. And so um, how this uh, VRBO market, and I don't know how it really affects the, the whole hotel you know, industry itself, you know, what's happening with that, you know, because everything, uh, everybody always seems to be doing pretty good when we have an active open economy and, and people are, are, you know, doing their tourist things. Everybody seems to be doing well uh, up here in the uh, Twin Ports. So I'm not sure how things have rebounded, but um, uh, watching these trends, I think, is an important thing uh, to note because it's what people are saying they want and, and you know, providing that for the marketplace is certainly uh, uh, something that people are starting to do. So, Jim, uh, we've got to take our uh, third break here. Folks, you've been tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show right here on KDL 610 AM. Jim and Gary, and we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Rodney and Gary Callagher here. We'll give you our phone numbers one more time. If you want to reach me down in Florida about any real estate, uh, you know, just give me a call. I don't I don't mind helping. Even if you're not in my area, I can probably hook you up with another realtor down here as well. So if it's not even in my area, but 218-348-7653. And I'm at 218-390-0615. And Jim, we have some statistics for the Duluth yes, Superior. Yes, I'm very area. curious because I'm not connected anymore, Gary. That's the other thing that I miss. I'm not connected to that real estate market, but... Well, we currently have active listings in the city of Duluth. We have 78 active listings, and they have an average list price of $379,000. Now, when you look at sold nice. when you look at sold data, Duluth so far this year has sold 382 houses, and this is Duluth proper only. The average sale price, Jim, is $267,000. Um, we look at Hermantown. Hermantown has seven active listings with an average list price of just under $600,000. And the um, sold data, Hermantown has sold 36 houses so far this year. That's a great number. Average sale price of $377,000. Cloquet, nine active listings, Jim and Cloquet. Average list price of 207000 so far in Cloquet this year, we've sold 56 houses, another great number. Uh, average sale price of $210,000. Uh, and so the local markets are doing very good. When it, it seems like the inventory in Duluth is starting to go up. I think some of these other surrounding areas, it's a little, still a little bit tight. But um, um, good, healthy uh, numbers so far this year, Jim. And when we look across the bridge over in Superior, we have 21 active listings. Average list price of one ninety three. That's one hundred ninety three thousand. So far this year, Jim, it, we've sold ninety one houses in Superior, with an average sale price of one hundred and sixty eight thousand dollars. Nice. Now, do you remember back in I think it was the peak of the recession, what the average sale price in the city of Superior was? Let's go back I... to two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, right in there. Mm, no, is it a buck twenty or something like no, that? No, I was under hundred. I think it was like ninety five. Oh yeah, that's right. It was, it was like hovering right around a hundred thousand, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and the same wow. thing with Duluth. I mean, Duluth had a, an average sale price that I think was under one fifty. And so, to right. see the the recovery of these markets with the average sale price, it just goes to show that this real estate economy, Jim, is doing so well. People are buying houses. People are happy about what they're doing. Interest rates are low. 
your 30 year conventional fix is right at 3.125 right now. Uh, and so, uh, the fact that we have the perfect storm for real estate and we, we've had it for the last few years, uh, is just a good thing. And, and what happens to the market? Who knows? But right now it seems like everybody's just like jumping in. Sellers are enjoying the heck out of it. And, um, uh, it's, it just remains to be seen where it's all going to go. Perfect. So we got about um, 40 seconds left, Jim. Any final thoughts? Well, I'll, I'll just say this. So Florida, the weather is always uh, hit and miss. Or not, I shouldn't say that, but it was sunny when we started this show. Now it's raining, and I have my sunroof open, and so my car is soaked. That's it. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> That's all right. You go get that thing closed. And, uh, Talk to you next week. Yeah, folks, you've been tuned to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show right here on KDL 610 AM. Uh, you've been listening to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show, and we'll be back here next Saturday from 12 to 1. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody.